Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded June 26th, 2023. I'm Lori Calvacina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. This week, the podcast is back to tackling hot topics and the most interesting things that crossed our desk last week. Three big things you need to know. First, corporate confidence, CapEx, and balance sheets were all new topics in focus in our investor meetings last week. Second, things that jumped out in our high-frequency indicators included one of our main sentiment indicators starting to look more stretched, stabilization in Biden's polling numbers, and strengthening in U.S. equity funds flows, which collectively illustrate how the near-term outlook for the U.S. equity market has gotten a little murkier. And third, we highlight our initial thoughts on the weekend's developments in Russia from a U.S. equity market perspective. If you'd like to hear more, here's another six minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that if you found this podcast and our research helpful, we'd appreciate your support in this year's Institutional Investor All-America Research Survey in the Portfolio Strategy category. This is a competitive category where the analysts are tightly bunched and every vote counts. Voting is still open for those with ballots until June 27th. Now let's get into today's details. Takeaway number one, corporate confidence, CapEx, and balance sheets were all in focus in our meetings last week. Corporate confidence came up in discussions about why margins have been so resilient. We highlighted the higher degree of confidence in the Duke CFO survey on the outlook for their own companies relative to the outlook for the economy. We think this confidence reflects the ability of management teams to navigate a crisis, something that's tough to quantify in an EPS model. On CapEx, investors have been concerned about a falloff in activity given recent declines in ISM new orders. We pointed out that CapEx expectations in the regional Fed surveys have been pointing to weakness as well, though a few of these are showing some signs of possible stabilization. Interest in balance sheets seems sparked by renewed concerns about additional rate hikes from the Fed. We highlighted how just 2% of S&P companies and 10% of Russell 2000 companies have weighted average maturities in the zero to two year range. We also noted that interest expense has been low at, in terms of its level relative to sales in the S&P 500. Additionally, we pointed out that while debt is high relative to EBITDA in the S&P 500, the composition of that debt has shifted away from short-term debt and back towards long-term debt. Overall, we continue to see balance sheets and higher rates as manageable headwind for the major public companies, especially if cuts begin in 2024. Moving on to takeaway number two, the things that jumped down on our high-frequency indicators last week collectively highlight the murkier intermediate-term outlook for the stock market. The first of these is sentiment, which doesn't look too stretched just yet, but has admittedly gotten closer to worrisome territory. AAII hit 15% net bulls on the four-week average in last week's update. Historically, when this indicator hits 30%, the S&P 500 has only been higher 12 months later, 45% of the time, with an average gain of 1.2%. As discussed last week, the recovery in this indicator off extremely bearish levels seen to start the year and until recently has been one of the things keeping us in the constructive camp, but this rationale is admittedly fading. Second, Biden has stabilized while DeSantis has lost momentum. While the debt ceiling drama was unfolding, disapproval numbers for Biden and optimism on DeSantis had both been rising, stock market-friendly developments. But both trends have reversed a bit recently, with Biden's disapproval starting to turn lower in the polls and DeSantis showing a loss of momentum in betting markets. Interestingly, an NBC News poll released over the weekend suggested that Biden is supported by 49%, while Trump is supported by 45% within the margin of error. 48% prefer Democrats in control of Congress versus 46% who want Republicans in charge. 
The politics around the 2024 elections had been feeling like an emerging positive for the stock market coming out of the debt ceiling, but now uncertainty appears to be creeping back in. And third, U.S. equity funds flows are turning positive. Weekly data from EPFR suggests that U.S. equity funds have started to see inflows, even while inflows to bond funds have remained intact. The shift into U.S. equity funds seems to be more about geography than asset classes, as flows to European funds have shifted from positive to negative, and inflows to China and emerging market funds have weakened. Canada and Japan flows look more like trends in the U.S., with Canadian flows turning slightly positive again and Japan inflows gaining strength. Digging down within the U.S., flows to growth funds have been strong but appear to be losing some momentum. At the same time, however, flows to value funds have started to get less negative, though they haven't shifted positive just yet. We'll wrap up with takeaway number three, our quick take on the weekend's developments in Russia from a U.S. equity market perspective. We consulted over the weekend with Halima Croft, who runs our commodity strategy team for her expert view. From a U.S. equity strategy perspective, there are a few things that jump out from her comments. First, Halima observes that the risk of further civil unrest in Russia must now be factored into our oil analysis for the back half of the year. From our seat, we've sensed interest in the energy sector in our client meetings over the past few months and have been pointing out that the sector appears undervalued, is a good source of dividend yield, and that earnings revisions have improved a bit recently. The sector has still been underperforming, but we wouldn't be surprised to see the weekend's events cause generalists to take another look in coming days. Second, Halima points out that there appears to be great uncertainty about what comes next in Russia and that the next few weeks will likely be crucial for determining Putin's fate. Given this, we think it's too early to draw any major investment conclusions and expect to learn more relevant details in the coming days and weeks. The initial lack of reaction in U.S. equities makes sense to us in this context. That being said, it is worth noting that this ratcheting up of geopolitical angst is coming at a time when one of our sentiment indicators is starting to approach worrisome territory, and stocks are entering a time of year that has a bad reputation in terms of seasonality. With the debt ceiling behind us and Fed fears struggling to keep the spotlight, the stock market has simply seemed like it's searching for a new narrative to latch onto. And this new chapter in the Russia-Ukraine war is one that, in the intermediate term at least, may keep investors nervous. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to reach out to your RBC representative with any questions. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives. Mm -hmm.